Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday. I know, it feels like a Monday, but it's not. It's Tuesday. Welcome to Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel L. Conan, Dennis Dick. What are we talking about today? We're going to talk about what well, Dennis says, says he has a good story for us. So we're going to talk about that. But we're going to talk about a couple of macro headlines. We have a new oil embargo. China's all trading higher because they're reopening over there a little bit. We'll talk about last week's rally setting the stage for this week. Bitcoin having itself a morning so far. Bitcoin on its first nine-week losing streak ever heading into today, or this week, I should say. Let's see if that continues. Nate Tobik is our guest. We'll talk banks with him. He's the author of the Bank Investor's Handbook. that will be at 8.35. So smash that like button. Let's get this show started. Where's my intro? Here it is. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel O'Connor. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been the penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Okay, let's bring on Mr. O'Connor, Mr. Dennis Dick. Guys, how was everyone's weekend? It felt like a very long weekend to me, yeah? It was a very, very, yeah, it was. It It was was that extra day, man, the extra day. But uh, it gave the pumpers a chance to pump the S&Ps up to 4202 and a quarter. Uh, Triple D's target, 4200, did it uh, Sunday night while we were all having hamburgers and hot dogs and grilling. But... (laughs) Bottom line is, uh, we're down 24 handles at uh, 4132. It's uh, 70 handles off the high, though. Crude, well, Russia's pumping that. It's up 363 at 118.70. Gold down a smidget, down four bucks, 1853.10. Silver back under 22, down 52 cents, 21.58. The Bitcoin bulls were out. Little thinner market. Let's pump it up, up 29.65. Up 10%, 31,780 in Ethereum. Let's go back to uh, 1972.50, up 226. Uh, Triple D, uh, you must have worked very hard yesterday, right? Because you didn't, uh, no, no, no holiday in Canada. No, I don't get the holiday in Canada. I got to work the Canadian holiday and the US holiday. So I'm just always working. But no, actually, I did take the day off. It was a nice day. I actually had a great weekend. Uh, took the kids out to Blue Mountain. Have you been out there, Blue Mountain, Collingwood, Joel? You ever been out there, the ski slopes? Obviously, no skiing wait, this time wait. of year. Uh, no, I have not been to that Blue Mountain. I've been to a different Blue Mountain. I Beautiful think. out there. Uh, kids doing roller coasters. Oh, that's not fun because I have to go on with them. And there's this roller coaster three-quarters of the way up the mountain. And I get a little bit of motion sickness on these things. And you have to ride. And they want to ride it. And for five-year-old and seven-year-old, they can't ride unless you're 12 or you have to ride with an adult. 
So I'm stuck going up on this mountain. It's climbing, click, 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 click. And then you're going down and down and then smashing me around. I felt like I almost got a concussion from it. But anyways, I did make it and survived that. But I have a good story, though. So well, before you all... say that, I just want to <laughs> yeah. ask if you took them there because you thought you were going to get a good deal on um, skiing. <laughs> no, there was well, okay, yeah, this time of year. I, I, this time I've of year, the skiing is really the cheap. Mountain. There's a Blue Mountain, Pennsylvania, that I've been to, but that's not the. That's same. what I've been to. Yeah, that's not the same one that you. Different. All right, let's hear your story. Let's start All out right, Tuesday so, morning. <clears throat> anyways, I did. So it's been a lot of years that I've golfed, Joel. A lot of years, and it finally happened. Finally happened on the ninth hole of the Blue Mountain Golf No Way Resort. Yeah, on the ninth hole. You got a hole in one. Right, oh, yeah. yeah, right out of right out of the tee box. And I hit it out of the tee box. It hits the protected bunker right in front. Rolls onto the green and into the cup. Oh in man. Shot. In one shot. Par three. How far? <laughs> How far is a good question. About, I would say about 15 yards because <laughs> it was mini pot. <laughs> How far you got me on that one? About 15 yards. The guy behind me was impressed. He's like, you get that hole in one? I was like, I did. And I actually don't think I've ever got a hole in one on mini putt before. Mini putt's tough, man. Really? A mini mini putt's tough. This one was tough. Anyways, yeah, so... <laughs> Yeah. We'll have to wait for it in regular golf, but I am a hole-in-one champion of wait, mini wait, putt wait, on the ninth hole. The boy your, was impressed. That was your first ever hole-in-one on mini putt? I don't know if it was, actually. Oh, okay. but I, I think so. I never played mini putt. Oh, okay. It probably was. I never. Right. I played mini putt since I was a kid. Okay. So, But took the seven-year-old mini putting. He was doing the hockey shot everywhere because he plays hockey, so he's literally a happy <laughs> Gilmoring everything out there. Yeah. I was getting my feel by the ninth hole. I was getting my feel, and I was like, "Watch this one!" And boom, yeah, awesome. <laughs> well, Joel and I hung out over the weekend a little bit. Uh, Joel and I had some fun. We went to the Van Gogh uh, exhibit, which was a little bit true. Wasn't it trippy, Joel? It was trippy. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, you're in this room and all that. I, I got a quick putt putt story though, real Uh-oh. quick. Joel's real quick. Got a whole of pulling ones on many. Right, I'm next then. Okay. <laughs> So I hope she's not listening, Uh-oh. but uh, I had this old girlfriend in high school and uh, we used to go to pup putt and stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I would let her win sometimes. I wouldn't let her win sometimes. So this is one of the times I didn't let her win. And I was crushing her. And, you know, they had signs up that, you know, if you, you know, if you lose like so many golf, you know, if you lose a ball or something, you got to pay for it. Right. So we're near the end, and uh, we're on like on the last hole. We're on one side of a busy street, and she just winds up and just whacks the ball as hard as she can, and it goes across the street like a busy, busy road. Okay, and I'm like, okay, so I got to pay money for that, and I'm like, here, you know, went and got another ball, you know, to do it again. So she tees it up again on the little putt putt. Wax it again across oh, the street. So like uh she cars. got yeah, I don't know if she hit any cars, but like uh you know what I thought was a cheap, you know, putt putt date and I was gonna crush her. 
Uh, she ended up costing me more. And then the third one, I said, no, I'm not getting any more balls for you. Not, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I want my putt-putt story. Uh, Spencer, you have a golf story? No, I was joking. I, okay. I, I, I don't have one. All right, let's um, talk stocks. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Joel and I discussed this a little bit on Friday. Uh, I think, like, half seriously. But, you know, just in case there – just in case it was, it looked like all signs pointed to a big weekend uh, for for the movies and for Top Gun, and yeah. I know Dennis put a trade on for it as well, yeah, and that appears to have been the case because that's basically your lead. It, it's a quiet morning in terms of like the market. I know we have some macro things to discuss, but in terms of individual stock specific headlines, the only real one this morning today, at least, it, that matters is it was a great weekend for AMC. It was a great weekend for Top Gun. Uh, I couldn't believe it when I when I saw that it was a record-setting Memorial Day box office weekend. I I, I couldn't I couldn't believe that there's never been a, a Memorial Day box office better than the the weekend the Top Gun just had this past weekend. But that's that's the case. Yeah, but you know what though, inflation, right? So I mean, ticket prices—that's the whole thing. They I always compare, you know, the gross sales. Yeah, which would be like. Numbers of tickets sold because when me and yeah. Joel were going to movies decades ago, you could go to the movies, Joel's five bucks, six yeah. bucks. What's yeah. a ticket to the movies now? Uh, How much? What, like four? I haven't been in a while, but what, like thir- four, 13, 14, 15 dollars? You're not getting them under 10 bucks anymore. And I yeah, would always go no on way. Cheapy Night and it was like four. What was, How much on Cheapy Night for you, Joel, when you used to go to the movies? Went like four bucks, five bucks. It was probably like a dollar for Joel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Back in Joel's day, is going to the movies for a quarter. I mean, you know, Gone with the Wind was one hell of a movie, you know. I mean, had... <laughs> that was a that was a nickel. That was a shiny new nickel to go to that one. Anyway, I mean, it's not fair to compare. Like, you know, oh, this is the yeah. best boxy inflation. Let's talk ticket number sales. So that kind of, you know, like this is the best Tom Cruise movie. He had great movies back in the day. How much was it to go to the original Top Gun per ticket? That right. would be a better way to compare it. Right. So. Let's just go off what AMC themselves said. AMC said 5 million people went to an AMC theater this weekend, and 2.5 million people went Memorial Day last year. So that's something. Again, I think, and maybe we should bring up the the chart of AMC here. If you're buying, there it is. If you're buying AMC stock up now, I I don't know. I mean, good weekend, but like, is really going to continue. It's got the GME thing yes. going on. It's got, yeah. and, and I'm actually disappointed in myself. And I guess I should listen to at the close, but I didn't listen at the close uh, on Friday. And you guys were talking about this. But you were I, was like, I put the Top Gun no, trade on. Before. I put it on. I was like, I'm buying Paramount at the close because you guaranteed it's going to be a big weekend and Paramount's going to be up. And even cross my mind on AMC. How much I think about AMC, Joel. That's how much it shows. Didn't even cross my mind. So I bought Paramount. I figured that was you know the maker of the film. And I made one, I've already sold it. I made 1% on it, which is a nice trade. But AMC up 11%. That was the trade, man. I screwed that one up. Oh, Paramount had a nice rally into it. AMC just got over 1650. Uh, just made a pre market high 1662. So we'll keep an eye on that. A quick back up. Looks like there was resistance at 17 or just above 18. Let me see if I can. There's some stuff in the mid, uh, not much. Maybe if you really, if they really could juice this thing, 1709. Uh, that was your high back on uh, April 26th, but first things first. I think the higher up you go, the thicker it gets. But uh, 1709 would be my next daily high that I'm looking at. That was from 
April 26th. What about the, did IMAX respond or these other ones or not as much? Not, I mean, a little bit. You know, it's AMC. A it little gets bit, the yeah. hype going. Yeah. I mean, this was a, a total drop ball by me. Um, you know, you're putting on the Top Gun trade, being long AMC into this weekend yeah. would have been a no-brainer. I mean, obviously, it was running up into it, too. It was. So maybe if for whatever reason it didn't get the good sales, it would have got hit, maybe. But, wow, that's a layup there, and I took the wrong layup. That's okay. Um, but all signs are pointing to a big weekend, and then and and it was a big weekend. I I I didn't go. Put a one in the chat if you went to go. To, I don't care what movie, but if you went to the movies this weekend, just put a one in the chat because the three of us did not go. So, I haven't been to the movies since COVID started. Okay. Not and, and I don't know. That's going to be a different yeah. experience now. So what's that? What's that movie I saw Spencer again? I can't even think of the name of it. You, you saw the Nicolas Cage one. The, the yeah, un- the terrible weight of massive talent. Which yeah. I if I was on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, you know, seen a lot of ones in the chat. A lot of ones. All right, and some zeros. Which, okay, um, okay. What else is, uh, is going on here this morning? We have a couple of macro things that I mentioned. Uh, we have a new oil embargo uh, from the EU. So if you're seeing uh, oil uh, up today, that is why um, there is a a ban on ninety percent of Russian crude oil. By the end of the year, that covers two thirds of Russia's uh, or of, of imports from Russia. Or and oil keeps going. Oil, yeah. is, oil. So that that's that's one macro driver mm. of the day. The other macro driver of the day is that China appears to be inching, inching, inching towards a reopening. They're reopening some schools in a couple of days. They're uh, reopening some mass, some public transit uh, also in a couple of days. Um, so China is inching towards a reopening, and all of the uh, Chinese stocks that we that we know are are trading up on that. So th- those are your two macro headlines here today. Hmm. They we uh, it's some a good news market. There. Yeah, it, it, I was just it feels say like that. it's really weak, but there's a lot of stocks trading higher here. I mean, there's a lot of like the social media darlings, you know, like the GameStop, AMC, obviously. But I'm seeing a lot of tech. Holding up oils, obviously up, but there's a lot of tech stocks that are still flirting with the green too. So you know, yeah, we're down, we're down for sure. But surprisingly, you come in, you think oh, everything's getting killed. There's some stocks that are holding up fairly well. It actually feels like a growth value. It feels like a sell value by growth type of day here. That's at least is what is happening so far in the pre-market. I mean, Kathy's barely down. She's only down 0.4 percent, which isn't even down as much as the market. So that's always a good tell. First thing I do in the morning. Is you know well, what kind of day are we on? Bring up ARKK, and it's like you, you see that you know S and P down twenty six handles. Like oh, ARKK is going to be getting killed, but not the case. It's kind of holding up. So so far, it feels like they're still buying the dip and those beaten down growth names, which um, obviously you know have been beating up the most. So uh, we just want to yeah, going back to Friday the way they uh, uh, you know they juiced it in the close and they juiced <laughs> it in the after. I mean the, the last after hours print going up. 10, 10 handles higher and then 6 p.m. open, just no offers in there. And they too long ago for me to even remember. Yeah. I don't even remember Friday. 
Yeah, and then the uh, this oh. did he come on the show Friday or was it Thursday, Spencer? When Dempsey I'm went pretty sure it was Friday. Yeah, yeah, I came on Friday. I still didn't catch you guys with the yeah. AFC. Well, it, it may yeah. have been before you hopped on. I think. Ah. Yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. I screwed that. Up. Um, but you know, but Dennis's point though. I mean, we were up basically across the board. We've been leaking now steadily throughout mm-hmm. what the entire overnight session here. So that's why we're red. Uh, in at least in the, in the stock index futures, but um. You know, we're coming off of a good week. First up week in uh, since March. Since March, March, yeah. So, reason for optimism. The question now is, do we uh, do we believe it or or what? I I don't have the answer, but that's I guess that's the question that we're going to find out. Interesting stat that I saw. I don't I don't know how much it means, but interesting nonetheless. This is from uh, Bespoke Invest Uh, last week. From the open to the close, from nine thirty to four four p.m., uh, the 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 S and P was up every single day last week from the open to the close. Wow. That's actually, that's actually pretty rare that that happens. Um, it's only happened uh, fifty other times in the history of the spy. The spy came out in ninety three, so it's about thirty years old. So that's only happened fifty other weeks in the last thirty years where. Um, the, the market, the spy was was green from an open to closed basis every single day for a week. Um, overnight, obviously, messes with that a little bit because, um, but yeah. So again, just a just a great day, a great week last week, and so far it's it's not as if we're crashing. We're just not we're just not green again, but that's okay. So one thing to consider, one thing to consider here, and I think it is a concern, is the 50% retracement of the move, which we talked about on Friday's morning show. 460 on SPY, down to 380. 50% in literally seven days takes you back to 420. That's where I said it was a likely target. We hit that target overnight. We won't hit it on SPY, but we hit it on the S&P futures overnight. We ticked 4,200. So we actually hit the target. So are they taking it off now that we've hit it, or do we hit it in the regular session too? That's still to be determined. But if you think you're buying stocks on the cheap, you're chasing. You're absolutely chasing at this point in time. I know it doesn't feel it sound, feel like that because I'm beat up. But if you're buying S&P, I mean, this is a huge counter. This is a huge counter move. And I think you've got a natural resistance point at 420, <laughs> which tells me you should be selling stocks into the strength here. At least, you know, maybe not the beaten down Kathy names, which we feel bottom two weeks ago, but all the other names that have been holding up really well, um, you know, they've had a nice rally last week. They got hit and now they've rallied. I mean, Apple came back big time from the low, Joel, 132 up to 150. This is a big bounce here. Microsoft's big, big. same story. Yeah. We've had a nice bounce already. So you're not buying on the cheap anymore. I think you got to, if you really need stocks, I think you got to wait for a healthy pullback here now. Yeah, um, well, they, they finally hit the big stocks, right? And that's what everyone wanted, right? Oh, like, well, the S&P isn't corrected. And so they got that they got that out of the way. And the Apple iPhone Bloomberg headline took it down to 137 and a half. And then you got a nice bounce there. So what everyone wanted, everyone wanted the fluff to come out of the market, right? Out of, uh, out of the big stocks. And uh, and it did. And then uh, you got the rebound, a little bit of rotation in, um, into the growth. Uh, like I said, I mean, you could be ha- like from a pure number standpoint. Yeah. Thirty eight hundred. That's like, oh, thirty eight oh seven fifty. We're never going back down there. 
that's good, man. And, and we got some solid footing. We, I guess we don't have to worry about any more earnings bombs, right? We've got a uh, lot of those. No, it's not necessarily true. Some. There are yeah. actually a couple. I, I, I'm amazed. I, I kind of thought we were done as well, Joel. But when I was looking at the calendar, and I'll pull the calendar up on the screen right now, uh, there actually is a decent number of big names. The this earnings week, so. season that never ends. It never ends. So tonight, never ends. tonight we have Salesforce. Uh, and, I mean, HP doesn't really interest me, but Salesforce does. Uh, later on in the week, we have uh, Lemon is Thursday. Uh, couple, GameStop. Yeah, That GameStop. didn't make my list. What GameStop day is GameStop? Is tomorrow. Yeah, that's tomorrow. Um, I don't know. Wait, wait, wait. Wait a minute. Where's Costco? Are they not this week? week? Yeah, it was last week. You're losing weeks here. It was? Yeah, Costco was last week. Did I just blank on that? I yeah, and remember, that. remember it got, I said they'd buy the dip on and they did. Oh, man. I think they got hit on the earnings, but it had been beaten up so much. I have no recollection. Of they totally came in. The <laughs> big names that are loved, they were buying the dips on. Was that Thursday or Friday? It was before the long weekend. I have no recollection of that happening. Oh, and Thursday like after hours, ago. though, right? Thursday yes, after yeah, hours. Yeah, so whatever right. reflected in Friday's trade. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a good market, too, right? You know, if we would have been down, you know, 700 points, you know, it was, uh, you know, the tape the tape helps out on uh, on days like that. Um. Yeah, but okay. but we do have some big names, like you said, like Lululemon is interesting. Obviously, CrowdStrike. I mean, there's another one there. Again, it's tough. See, everything's rallied so significantly. It's like, what are you buying? What are you buying? People are saying, you know, stocks are beat up. We should be buying stocks. I'm like, well, that was a week ago. If you really wanted to buy, I mean, now you're chasing it again. Like when you go like this, it and again, you're just going back. Stocks go win waves here. So you get the downtrend going. You're selling rips into downtrends and buying dips on stocks and uptrends. And I mean, this was everything rip last week. So you're coming in now, then you feel like you're doing it backwards. So it was a nice rally if you had been buying. You know, I took some profits into a few stocks that I had bought on to Friday um, or in, into Friday's strength because when they're rallying that much, um, it, it's just, it doesn't feel like it's still this market's going to hold these rallies. So we were pulling back here. Joel, where would you be a buyer of stocks? You know, would you get down to like, if we got down to like, let's say 4,000 S&P, would you never uh, stock? Uh, for the week, I'd be a little bit lower than that. I mean, I'd, I'd, let's see if we get down and not not the fake, um, glow, uh, not the fake inner day low, but uh, the uh, the real Globex low from Friday. Uh, which was way down there at forty forty one. Also have a, a weekly a weekly number in there. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a little bit of consolidation here too, like holding the gains for the week, right? And then, uh, you know, just a couple of inside days. We did count down. That was one thing I did talk about. Is like we were really volatile, but then we we did the average daily range. You know, has still been you know still been coming in. So. You know, after a move like this, why not have just uh, you know, a little bit of uh consolidation, just a little bit of hanging out, and then you know, build the legs for another uh another move higher. All right. Uh again, so tonight Salesforce, Victoria's Secret, and HP HPQ, excuse me, and Charge Point. Those are kind of your your big ones. Uh, Sentinel yeah. Sentinel One ticker S is in there as well, but um beating down tech. Um I wanted to talk about Unilever. That's one of your big stock moves of the day. At least it was last I checked. UL. How's it? St- 
Is it still up? Uh, it is still up. Um, Again, this is an ADR, so it's already priced in. So one thing to consider, you're not going to see this thing whipping and roaring and once market opens. This has been open in Europe here, not only today. This was open yesterday in Europe. Yes. So that's something to consider as well. So you've had a day and a half to digest this news. Give us the headline. Now. Yeah, Nelson Pelt has, is now on their board of directors. Um, we already knew Pelt had a big position. We already we know. knew he had a yeah. 1.5% stake in the whole company. Um, so a pretty big position there. And now he's on the board, and he's a well-known activist investor that yeah. tends to um, – Look out for Wall Street and the shareholders. So Wall Street likes that he's involved now, or that he's more involved. And so Unilever is is up on that. Uh, I mean, it seems like this guy get, that gets pops off. I'm just going back to the Western Digital. Like, look yeah. at that. It got the pop off the Western. Was that Digital. Pelts too? Was it? Was it Pelts? You're uh, you're of a better memory than me, okay. so you're probably right. I can look. I can look right now. Joel's got that memory, man. I have the goldfish memory. I'm pretty He's sure got, it was like, yep. the um, elephant memory. Never forgets. I don't think it was actually. Who was it? I'm just looking in pro. And I don't actually see who who did the Western Digital in early May. They did the pump. It wasn't. Oh, in, in early May? No, 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 no. That was um. That was Elliot. That was uh. What's his name? Uh, Elliot. Uh, okay. What's his name? Okay. Um. Singer. Uh. Singer. Is that his name? Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm wrong. Well, anyways, that came back in. I mean, these things are so hard to, you know, to chase. You already had a stake in it. Um, you know, we see what the pre-market action is. So I'm gonna go with triple D on that. If you if you if you go outside the parameters of uh of the pre-market trading, I mean the the, the Europeans are still out there, you know, keeping it in line too. So yep. keep an eye, pre-market high, forty seven thirty seven. Um, and then the rest of my movers list is all just like crazy, like biotech stocks. Speaking of biotech stocks, though, I'm, I'm going to probably mention this every single day. Uh, the biggest biotech conference of the year in terms of stock movement starts on Friday, ASCO. So there's going to be a lot of biotech right. news, drug news starting on Friday. But and then also over the weekend, you'll see a lot of cancer related headlines um, and a lot of stocks making outsized moves because of it so watch out for that also want to mention that tomorrow is the date when the federal reserve officially begins unwinding or i guess running off whatever term they use now runoff the balance sheet they're going to start selling bonds tomorrow and uh because tomorrow is june 1st and that's what they said they're going to do so uh, this is not new information. We know the, the Fed is doing this. They've already announced that they're going to do it. But tomorrow is the day that officially begins. So um, maybe watch out for that. Powell's meeting with Biden today at the Oval Office, which is, I guess, not a frequent occurrence. So there could be some more Fed speak today out of that. But just keep an eye on the Fed, um, as always. And, uh, and yeah, that's, that, that's what I got to start. Uh, I mean, this is yeah, the whole is. problem of just coming in and going all in on stocks is they haven't even started, you know, like, no. I mean, it, 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 we, we've we had such easy money for so long and all of a sudden we think, oh, the, we can, the market can just swallow taking away the punch bowl, which we have been built on for the last decade. So it's tough. That's why, I, like people say, when are you going to go all in on stocks? I'm like, I don't have any reason to go all in on stocks right now. There's just, you know, 
I, I don't mind owning some. I don't mind owning 55% stocks right now. But on my long-term portfolio, I can't go all in here because it's just too many unknowns. We don't know how this is going to play out. I mean, higher interest rates, no more easy money. I mean, we've had the Fed put. Joel, how long? You know, we've been doing the show eight years. We always, when we went down, we talked about the Fed put. You know, like we've, yeah. we've got the Fed behind this market. The Fed is not even, it's not even a, a matter of the Fed not being behind this market. It's against this market. The Fed is against this market now for rightfully so. So, you know, we got the big rally because of that one little inflation data point last week. Let's see what the CPI data shows. Like, let's see, you know, inflation starting to come in. Because obviously oil's not helping. That doesn't seem to be stopping at all. So where I keep thinking you're going to get demand destruction, which is what the Fed is trying to do. You know, whether they say it or not, it's what they're trying to do. It's the only thing that's, you know, interest rate raising is trying to slow demand to slow inflation. Um, until we start seeing it really, really show up, it's hard to just come in here and get rah, rah, bullish. We're going all time highs. I can't fathom. I mean, you know, and obviously, you know, there's a lot of people out there, the BMO analyst, Craig Johnson, thinks we can hit all time highs by the end of the year. But not before. Yeah, but um, not before we go to 3,500. Yeah. But, but, but still, yeah, okay, we go to 3,500. Who cares? If we're going to hit all time highs by the end of the year, I should be all in stocks. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I'm very I do, much. Yeah. And Craig Johnson has been really good on this show. So it scares me when he says that. It scares me into stocks. But at the same time, I just think like, why? Why do we have to go back to all-time highs besides every analyst wanting that to happen? Because that's what everybody wants. All the pension funds need it. Everybody needs it. But why does it have to happen? You know, I saw something interesting. I can't remember where I read it uh, or saw it on Twitter, but uh, this rally might be given, like, Fed, like, okay, we didn't crush the market yet. We can we can get even more hawkish. So I, I, you know, it just, right? Because that's a yeah. you know, big concern about the market was, you know, oh, you know, the Fed, well, they'll lighten up because the market's getting killed. But you know what? Boom, boom, boom. That could be, you know, ah, nice. Market's back up. We got some more room. We can go three quarters. Oh, well, I, I, I mean, yeah, I'm sure they watch that, but we all know, I mean, what, what they say at least is, is the primary thing here is inflation, and yes, they're willing to tank the market to tame inflation, but they I have to. I right, I know, but I, I to they Joel's, don't have a choice. It's not like you can. To like, Joel's point, I I don't know how much like they're looking at the market. But, oh, we're still at forty-one fifty. Oh, what are you talking price. about, man? Uh, they're not looking at it. At all not, now. Yeah, that's what I'm. You saying. don't think the Fed was looking at the spoons during COVID and that you know, they were you know, in there? Sure they they're were. just Joel, like that was get in there and Joel, Joel, of course they were. Of course they were. And that's what they've done for the last 10 years. That's why we talk about the Fed put. I mean, the market was defending, the, the Fed was defending this market. I mean, we talked about it on the show forever. That went out the door when inflation went rampant. That went out the door. So they're not concerned about this stock market anymore. It works in their benefit if the stock market comes down because it's doing the job for it. Yeah. So it's not like they can come in and all of a sudden, well, we better not raise interest rates too much because the wealth effect is going to knock down all this. It's got to show up in the data. And I don't know if the wealth effect, we were like, you know, even talking to blue, you know, it might take a long time for this to really, you know, start showing up. 
you know, this rising interest, people don't just stop spending money right away just because so, their mortgage payment went up a half a point. We, we, we're we're going to have Blue on the show this coming Friday, and uh, we can talk about all of this. We'll talk about inflation, which comes out next Tuesday. And Dennis, your question, why do we have to go back to new all-time highs? Well, we, very, we can do that if inflation starts to really come down, which could end up being next Tuesday, right? Like a week from, a week from today. That's the path or to when, get there. Inflation the gets in check and the Fed can be less aggressive. That is the is. only path. So why jump the gun and say, yeah. unless you're just speculating, and obviously we're all speculators, but you're just like, you're feeling it, that inflation's got to tick down. I thought it might start ticking down last month. That was not the case. It didn't tick down at all, ticked up, and the market got punished for three weeks. Now we're coming. When is the next data point? So CPI data point CPI is, is uh, do we have a date? Yes, I, I always put. I didn't write it down, so I don't. I don't remember it. It's uh, June tenth. What day is that? Oh crap! That's right around my birthday. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. It's yeah. Wait, no, 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 no. Yeah, it is June tenth. I don't know why I said next June the tenth. Okay, so we got yeah. another ten days here. Yeah, and then we get to see if that data again, if the CPI data comes next, in light, we're right. gonna have a rip your face off rally. If it comes in in line or hot, they will murder the stock. So it's still a little bit of a coin flip. There's still a lot of like pricing. Like I'm when I'm going out there, I'm seeing prices not oh, yeah. coming very quickly. Oh, yeah. When I'm building this house, and you know, obviously it's different. Every single quote I get is like it's go. They they hold the quotes now, Joel. They give you a quote on something, Joel. They hold it for seven days. That price is good for seven days only. So you got to execute. It used to be, my builder says it used to be 90 days. He says, now they sometimes give it to him. It's good today. This is the quote today. If you want it, take it right now because, and this is an excuse. I mean, a little bit to get you pressure buy it, right? So right. everybody's using it for an excuse. It's pressure buying. But this is just the world we're in where the consumer still is a little bit price insensitive and they're buying what they need and they're buying it now. And... So, that's it's not, what's it's, happening. It's not as if like supply chains are magically fixed. My parents are getting a, they need a new garage door. The garage door finally broke after like it's the original garage doors on their house, so like sixty years old, and their garage door like fell off the wall, and so they need a new one, and they're not getting it until August. That because they just can't. Like that's how long it's it come in. It's right, exactly. So yeah. uh, it's not as if, and unfortunately, the Fed can't, can't fix any of that. So it's, you know, it is what it is. And, uh -huh. and with China, you know, and obviously a lot of stuff coming from there, as they continue to, you know, lock down and fight their zero COVID policy, <laughs> I mean, or go with their zero COVID policy. Well, this coming, is not helping any of those issues either. They're coming off it a little bit, right? So like schools and mass transit are reopening now a little bit. Until the next 10 cases show up, which oh, is inevitable because yeah. the bloody thing is everywhere. I don't know. I mean, you yeah. cannot not get COVID. It's almost yeah. impossible. I mean, I fought for a year and a half trying to stay and not do stuff, not to get COVID. Impossible. No. It's impossible. You can't yeah. like not. It's everywhere. You know, they like it's obviously come down. The waves come down now because everybody got it. I mean, I, I, I know, and you're probably the same way. I know more people who have had COVID than haven't had COVID. Mm -hmm. You're probably the same way. Mm -hmm. I mean, so you're sitting there in China and saying, we're going to, you know, lock down every 10 cases you get. They'll never come out. They've, every time, you know, they're uh, going to open up a little bit. It's going to come back. It's never going away. COVID is here forever. This is never going away. Ever, forever and ever and ever. And we so, have to learn to live with it. So China has to learn to live with it. But they're going to lock down. 
and screw up our supply chains every time they get a dozen cases. This is the this is the this is a serious issue. All right, that's a pretty uh um uh yes, that's a pretty bearish perspective. How is COVID? Do you think COVID, Joel? Do you think COVID's gonna magically go away? It's just all of a sudden. Do you think, or do you think, ten years from now, it's still gonna be COVID cases? It's not uh, going well, away. I don't know. No magic cure. The vaccine sure helps you deal with the symptoms. Doesn't make it go away. It's never going away. Never. I don't know. We do um, know. There's no way. Can, can you, is a flu going to magically go away? Are no. we going to never get a cold again? So, some people don't get colds. Uh, the biggest problem, though, is what I'm saying is this: we're taking it right back to China. This is the supply chain. This is where the majority of everything comes from. And if they're going to keep shutting down every and, time and, get a few cases, we, how does that fix? Okay. How does that get fixed? Well, here's how it gets fixed: we move the supply chains back from. From which they came to America. That right. takes decades to do and put it's that in, infrastructure. It's infrastructure decade. Didn't you hear, Dennis? It's infrastructure decade in, in America. That doesn't sound like a stock investing environment to me, though. All right. Well, uh, let's pivot here. We haven't talked about the financials yet. We've been saving that for our guests. And I want to bring him on right now. Uh, Nate Tobik, he is the author of the Bank Investor's Handbook. He also runs CompleteBankData.com. He's joining us now on Pre-Market Prep. Mr. Tobik, good morning. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming, I wish I'd used Indeed. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility all at Indeed.com slash P-R-E-P. Just go to Indeed.com slash P-R-E-P right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash P-R-E-P. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Doing doing well. Uh, do you have thoughts on, on any of, of that conversation? Yeah, a lot of energy there. I mean, I, I agree, Dennis. This, this stuff is not going away. I, I used to joke, you know, during COVID, I said if they uh, they put a tracker out for how many people have the stomach bug on any spe- any specific day, you know, it's thousands of people yeah. in any city, you know, they, they've got a cold or the stomach bug. But, um, you know, once there's ways to, to mitigate the risk and we understand what it is, uh, it's not it's we just need to deal with it and uh and move on but but no, how does just, how do we teach the how do we teach the chinese government to do that that's what we, we're dealing with this in north america it's not bad yeah i but you know zero 
their their zero COVID policy is screwing up all of our supply chains, screwing it all up for everyone. They need to get off zero COVID policy. I I agree. I mean, you know, a conspiracy theorist would say maybe there's something else going on there. There's some rumors of a power struggle, and you know that the most western facing cities are locked down. So you know, it's thought provoking that maybe the ones who might get the information first and and actually. Uh, you know, protest or do something are the ones who it's, you know, we've got COVID, stay in your apartment and uh, we'll let the dust dust settle. Um, you know, in terms of actually rebuilding things in the U.S. or moving things over here, I think that it's an, it's an interesting idea. I think it's actually a great investment uh, because, I mean, so if you think about how much uh, infrastructure, factories, all that stuff would need to be built uh, that's an enormous amount of money that's going to be poured in. I mean, so if you just if just step back and think about uh, the Amazon boom from the last year, year or two. I mean, so we would hear um, of places in, you know, outside major metros where uh, the, the cap rate on a warehouse is one percent or less. And the the way the landlords or builders looked at this was uh, we can put a, a warehouse out here. Someone will show up to that thing. Uh, be it Amazon or some other mail order distribution company. And this is going to appreciate by 50%. And my returns all going to be via appreciation, not actual cash on cash return from rents from, uh, from tenants. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, if you drive at any interstate in the Midwest now, you know, it's like tons of warehouses, before you get to the city and then there's the city, the suburbs and then the city and then there's a bunch more warehouses and it's just it, it there's warehouses everywhere and uh you know that that was a huge a huge uh growth environment for for real estate investors uh that was big for banks a lot of banks were lending on some of this stuff it's a pretty surefire investment lend on a building and, and anyone could go in there Nate, what about, I mean, these banks, I mean, really have not participated in the, in this no. recent rally where in the rising interest rate environment, I mean, I mean, Bank America's <clears throat> moved a little bit. Is there, is there, I mean, you just mentioned, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, the warehouse potential money uh, uh, loaned out. Is there, is there something else out there? Um, you know, maybe exposure to China. Um, I mean, I don't think we're positioned for another housing crisis out there, but is there something underneath the hood with these banks that some, you know, the unknown, something's going to come and kick aside the head and say, man, we should have seen that with the banks. Anything out there that you can see? Yeah. I mean, so I'll say this, um, in a lot of banks, there is definitely a sense of panic. Uh, across the board is, you know, I mean, there was the headline that came across this either this morning or yesterday. Uh, Credit Suisse is looking for capital options. I don't know if you'd seen that or talked about that. Oh. Um, so, you know, there's people out there looking for capital. They were a little too risky, uh, but there's just a lot of panic because what, what's happened is we've had years of falling a falling interest rate environment and what this meant is a lot of bankers just had to sit there and wait for the phone to ring the demand was it was walking in the door and now the way to find demand is you need to find growing businesses you need to find purchase money in new houses businesses that are expanding and that's a lot tougher especially if you let your network wither over the last three four five years and so there's a sense of panic of what what happens next and uh so you've seen some banks move into the the total garbage credit, the buy now, pay later stuff. 
uh, the SoFi stuff, all of that. You know, everyone says those are fine credits. And if you look at these reports, they say, oh, you know, none of our, our credits are going bad. Yes, because in one of the greatest booms of all time, credits aren't going bad. It's when things start to turn that credits go bad. And, you know, there isn't much to repossess on a Peloton bike. It's, you know, I don't I don't really see someone driving around picking those things up. They're um, heavy. Well, they're heavy. You beat me to it. But especially so, if I'm sitting on it. So there's there's panic out there. And, you know, the second thing is what's lurking beneath the surface is there. I think there's actually two things. One is um, we don't really know who the major the lenders are who own all the office space loans. So the number I've seen is something like 36 or 38 percent of people have gone back to the office. There's a lot of space that's just kind of sitting dormant. Rents have not adjusted. And um, I, it, it's actually crazy. And I know some some office space landlords and they're like, yeah, well, you know, demand will come back. We're just waiting. And at some point they have to stop waiting. Uh, the second thing is a lot of these banks, uh, when there was low rates, they went into securities. So they instead of sitting in cash, they just sat in, uh, you know, they were buying treasuries or they were buying munis and they wanted to get a little extra yield to juice their earnings. Well, now with rates going up, uh, all those securities are marked down. So one thing to watch when banks report their earnings is they're going to have their net income number and then there's going to be a comprehensive income number. So a lot of times a bank will say, you know, we we beat we're expected to do a dollar forty four and we did a dollar forty six. Then you look at the comprehensive earnings and it's actually a loss of like 30 cents a share because they had to mark their securities to market. And just because of where yields are, all of the securities dropped like a rock in price. So, you know, they were holding on to that as extra cash to, you know, get a little yield, one, you know, juice earnings a little bit and uh, make some money. And then when we need the cash, we'll sell it. Well, that's going to be really tough to sell when you're sitting on a loss and, uh, you actually have to recognize that loss, especially on some of the, um, you know, the securities that are, they're holding to maturity. Those those are the real dogs. You know, anything that's that's marked to that's held to maturity is uh, we don't want to know the mark on that one. So the uh, the mark to market stuff is not great. You see that flowing through and uh, it, it's been coming across like crazy. And so um, big banks, I, I don't think are as exposed to this. Uh, regional banks do have a significant commercial office exposure they're the ones who lend on the towers in town and uh and then the smaller banks they really have uh they they you know they were sucking up these securities like crazy and so uh that that is a real loss is is those securities marked down because if they had to sell those things you know they would not get that money back and and uh that impacts capital and everything so there's there's a couple trends there yeah I was reading that this is the worst year for the U.S. bond market since before the Civil War. Just how wow, how, yeah. how bad it's been. Um, if I could pivot for a second, Nate, what about all these like Main Street banks? With uh, you know, I was in D.C. like a month, like a few weeks ago, and I was just blown away at the number of like truest branches that like every street corner is a truest. And, and, I, and I know they, they bought uh BB and T. So that's why, but like, I, I can't imagine that people are going into like all these branches. And I know like capital one is doing the whole cafe thing or whatever, but like, I just mm-hmm. can't even imagine that they're getting any value out of these branches at all. I, I mean, yeah, I think you're right. I, so 
I mean, just think back of the envelope. What is it? Branch traffic's down 70 to 77% over the last 10 years. Oh so it, it's down like crazy. I mean, the bank, I used a dollar bank, which is a, you know, in Ohio and Pennsylvania. And I go into their, their biggest branches about a mile away. And they probably have 30 cubes, if I had to guess. And then, a, you know, room for, I don't know, 10, 15 tellers. There's one teller. And all the cubes are empty except for one, you know, loan specialist or something for someone who comes in for the free coffee and wants to talk to someone in person. And I mean, that's a that's an expensive real estate just sitting there for no one. And I, I agree. Yes. Yeah. Branches are closing at about a 10 to 15 percent rate year over year. And um, it, so. I think banks that understand how to do a branch with a very capital light model. So, um, a, you know, this is my favorite idea for a branch is a bank puts a branch in one of these startup accelerators or a co-working space where they get exposure to all these other companies all the time. They could help them, give them advice. That costs almost nothing, you know, 500 bucks a month, something like that for the office uh, versus having a $1.5 million building on a street corner that's hard to get in and out of and no one's going in there. People are all doing the drive-through. So if you could, banks that could figure out how to do that branch light model where they still get their people in front of their target audience, you know, think about also like trades, the construction, all these guys need loans. They're, the whole business runs on loans. Get in front of them at a place where they are, make it convenient. And those banks are going to do extremely well. Nate, what about uh, what about how the Fed's handling things uh, on the inflation front? Uh, you know, we've we've uh, haven't really. Said, I mean, that number on Friday, you can put uh, some stock in the PCE number coming down. But uh, you know, do you think they're, they're getting a handle on this thing? How how many hikes and how long do you think the Fed's yeah. gonna gonna be pushing I mean, rates you know, higher? They, you know, they've thrown a Dixie cup on the fire so far, and I think they're hoping. So this this is my view on this is there's kind of a, a Goldilocks period where inflation, it doesn't stick with consumers. And I still feel like we're in that where people are noticing prices are going up. Gas prices are crazy. Prices are crazy. But there's still a feeling that this is going to go back and it's going to adjust back to normal. And if the Fed's able to knock inflation out with some sort of a, a crazy hike or do something to, to kill it right now, that psychology will not set in people's minds. But once it starts to set that prices are going to be going up six to 8% a year forever, suddenly that's a really hard thing to kill. And that's when people start asking for raises constantly. That's when, um, you know, like you're saying, Dennis, the, the house, the builder, it's, hey, this is good for one or three days because you know we don't know what the price is going to be. And once that mentality sets in, suddenly that's a death spiral. And that's really hard to get out of. And I feel like they they need to do something to to kill that off first. And the reason it's a death spiral is because people's psychology lasts a lot longer than the crisis itself lasts. So if you think back to 2008, you know, I remember back in 2010, 2011, people would still say, oh, you know, the economy is so bad and this is horrible. You think it ended a couple of years ago, but in their mind, it was such uh, an impactful event. It was like that yeah. trauma was in there and they, it, it took years to work itself out. And so I think this is one of those things they need to to figure out a way to kill this now. And uh, so, you know, 
that's probably more rate hikes that it should kill demand. That's the hope. And, uh, you know, a short, quick recession uh, induced by the Fed, I think, is better than some long drawn out thing that we all suffer through. Uh, Nate, before I let you go here, I think there was also a question in the chat, but it's also from me. Uh, what, what do you think about SoFi just in general? Not not the stock, just like the company. I, th- I mean, you know, here's the thing. If you had a thousand people give you a couple hundred bucks to lend out and you expected to never pay any of them back and you would dump that dump that company before you had to be accountable to anyone, I think you'd probably make loans like they do. All right. <laughs> doesn't make me want to jump. Maybe, in maybe it was not the answer I was hoping for. I, I mean, I don't, I, you know, so I, I took a look, I, I've actually taken a, a look at them and, and looked through the financials and everything. And it's just not so, you know, what do they have like 12 billion in assets? Um, they have the scale of a giant bank, but they can't make any money on it. The fact that someone with, with 50 million in assets can actually make a profit and at 12 billion, they can't. And I've seen a lot of people say, well, they just got their charter. They just got the charter. The thing is, banks could just get their charter and they're profitable on a small asset base. So they, if you can't figure it out at that level, you know, what is $24 billion going to do it? I, I don't think, I think the business model is fundamentally flawed. And I think a lot of the credits are, are pretty poor credits as well. Nate, before we let you go, I, I see a, a let's triple D. You got anything for Nate there? No, just no. Nate's, Nate's hitting out of the park. I mean, with all okay. with everything that you know is going on, I yeah. mean, it's tough. Like Hope the, you don't own SoFi, Spencer. That's <laughs> what? Me? No, 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 no. Of course not. Somebody, <laughs> but, but, but all of these, like, you can, what about a firm? I mean, there's so many of these financial startup so, companies, and they're built on basically the free money policy here, at least short term free money. So here, mean, here's the company that will clean up on those is Amex. It's the same thing. It's buy now, pay later. You, you, I swipe my Amex and in a month <laughs> I pay or it pay off. never. And well, they actually <laughs> no, have a, no. they have a buy now, pay later program they rolled out. So now you can break up all your stuff into chunks. They have the infrastructure to do this. Uh, Amex is interesting because it's, it's actually, it's a bank and it's a credit card. It's not just the credit card network. Um, it's a it's a strong brand. That's one way to play it. Uh, you know, MasterCard, Visa. So the funny thing is, if you look at any of these payment networks, they all run on the MasterCard and Visa rails. No one is actually going out there to Paducah, Kentucky, trying to install their new terminal that runs on their own network. It, it just runs on top of MasterCard or Visa. So if you own MasterCard, Visa and Amex, you pretty much have this whole payment space covered. And all of those are are wonderfully profitable. And they're buying back stock. They're paying dividends. The, the stocks have done well as well. So, Nate, I see, uh, I see a guitar on your wall back there. Do you, yeah, do you play, yeah. Do, do you play the guitar? I do. Yeah, I've got an acoustic. Then I have a, an electric guitar over on the other wall. Yeah. Do you uh, do you write songs at all? You know, back in college, I thought that would be my thing, but no, it just never. <laughs> it never uh, so went never, anywhere. Yeah, because I was going to ask you to, uh, to do a little impromptu on you. No, no, that's, yeah, that's not no, me. You know why? Because I, uh, I owed to Spencer. Uh, this is the last time you're going to be on with Spencer. That's, uh, yeah, yeah. And everyone wants to know what Spencer's doing. He's hiring a Volkswagen van. And he's driving across the country, and he's going to be going to national parks. So that's what uh, that's what Spencer's well, going to be amazing. doing. That, that's yeah, good. I we, want to we do went that. out to some I parts last year. They're packed. <laughs> they're, they're, the places are. It's a mob scene with those vans. 
really? all those uh all right. uh the bmw vans yeah okay. you know all right no old dispenser yeah. but right. uh anyways nate, nate tobik uh author of the bank investors handbook he runs a uh, complete great resource if you're interested in doing some fundamental dd on the banking sector nate always a pleasure We'll stay in touch. Have a great rest of your week, man. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. Have Thanks a great morning, guys. All righty. Um, it's 8.53 now on the East Coast, which means we've got about seven minutes left in this show. We can do some ticker time if you all like. There really sure. wasn't much else that was on my list that we didn't already cover. Airlines. Oh, yeah. You want to do that. Right. Okay. So airlines, uh, there were six, about 6,000 flights canceled over the weekend, Joel. Um <laughs> And according to Flight Aware, uh, which is one of those air, airline tracking websites, um, which actually seems like it could have been worse. I don't know to me. It seems like it's going to I just see a lot of headlines about brace for a bad summer. Everyone's flights getting canceled. I don't think that's that's true. But six thousand is certainly notable. Um, again, I think I think this is kind of expected at this point because everyone knows that there is a general labor shortage when it comes to uh, flight crew and pilots and stewardesses, whatever, um, flight attendants, but 6,000 flights canceled. I don't think this will impact the stocks at all today, but that's what you want. Yeah, they're down a little bit. You you think they'd be prepared for this, but uh, obviously they weren't. I mean, you can always blame it on the weather. I mean, these charts are just, they're just messy, you know? Mm -hmm. There's really, you know, up, I mean, the the Delta rally, I guess if uh, you had to move from 15 to 18, maybe if it gets back down to 16 and a quarter, 16 and a half, halfway back up. But, I mean, it's just just messy. But I just thought that was something, uh, something we should mention. Um, let's see. Ticker time. Yeah, ticker time. We'll go to the chat. Oh, wait. Thank you, Brad, for the reminder. Amazon stock split. That's this week. Oh no, oh, actually, wow. I think it's. Uh, I think I think it goes into effect on Monday, next Monday, I think, and then Friday is like the actual split date, I believe. Um, what about Ford from Mrs. Miss Whitehorse in the chat? <sighs> I, I want to reown Ford. It's got to like, but again, I love the Lightning. I think it's going to be a huge EV play, but they're selling gas guzzling car, trucks at $95,000. Nobody's going to pay it. So I think that's, that the next quarter is going to be an epic disaster. It's a long ways away from the next quarter. I think the earnings are going to be a disaster. I think this will be the top of demand destruction. So I don't know if there's going to be anticipation of that going in. Is it beat up enough? Sure, you know, it's beat up pretty good. I mean, it's come down. You know, I sold my last of my shares around, I think, 16. That's 16 and a quarter, and it's down to 13. I'd love to get this back under 10 bucks. There is, you know, a play here. There is value here in Ford, but I'm just very scared of this next quarter. Uh, I would just look at it. I mean, I think maybe people are looking a little bit more shorter term and, you know, rallied with the market last week, pretty much. The only down day in the market was Tuesday, and that's the day it was down. So really no major resistance here that I'm looking at. Uh, Probably a pile of paper at 14, but just today, you know, just keep an eye on the previous day's high, 1363. You're only nine cents below that. So if it can't if it can't get over there, you know, work its way closer to thirteen seventy five, thirteen eighty. I you know, expect a little bit of a a little bit of a pullback and uh and forward. The close as I said, the close was sixty three. Yesterday's low is twenty four. So that's what I'm looking. I will say the eyeball indicator is saying more Teslas. 
it just pure in my neighborhood. And believe me, I don't live they in are. the neighborhood. Yep. There are more. They are gaining market share. And uh, just like in my neighborhood, when I kind of walk my dog so old, I have to carry it halfway around the block oh, and then make it walk back. But um, I just seen seeing more Teslas out They're there. They're gaining so, more market yeah. share overall, but on the EV market, they already have, you know, the EV market. Yep. So they're going to lose market share on the EV market. Do not kid yourself. When all these other EVs come out, there will be other electric vehicles on the road, but nobody else can get them out there. I mean, we've been talking about it. There's no, there, you can get a Tesla. There's all these other ones. I'm waiting, you know, wait on the list for the lightning, wait on the list for all these, but you can't seem to get them. At least the Teslas, you can get them. So we are seeing that. People will be going EV. They don't want to pay, you know, $2 a liter in Canada or nope. $6 a gallon in the States. People will go EV. EV is coming, big time coming. And that's good news for Tesla. Okay, wait, this is a good one from the chat from Keith Keith McKinley. I'm trying to figure out what to do with Devon Energy. It was originally a way to raise cash, but it kept going up. Good problem to have. (laughs) Good problem to have for Keith. And I've been dead wrong on the energy trade. I keep thinking that oil prices are going to come in. You know, I'm fighting the trend on this. Obviously, I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, invested in it. So I'm just missing the boat. I'm not short it. But I mean, I've been wrong. I keep thinking that eventually you're going to start to see oil stocks start to come down. They make all time highs again. So, I mean, ExxonMobil's got $100 on the brain here now. It's $98.80. Devon Energy keeps going up here. So, I guess the trend's your friend, you know. Eventually, that trend, I feel like it's overbought. I mean, DVN was $10 a year ago, a year and a half ago, $75 now. I feel like there's so much good news in, in oil, but it keeps they keep going up. So, hard to fight that trend. Yeah, I mean, you can try and, you know. Uh, sell calls if you're super worried about it, but um, but that's such a crappy way I, to watch. I, I said if you worry about but, it, I said but, if you're worried. But, but about I just it. want to go on a rant here because that's what everybody says. You know, I'll just sell calls against it. But what you do is you give up your upside and you take on all the risk. And this is why I don't write covered calls on my portfolio. Yeah, it's nice. You know, on a st- on stocks that are going like this, it's awesome. The stocks go straight up. You get called away, and you left, and you, and you don't. And the stock. Did you ever try down, those with short-term options, Dennis? Like really, like were there weeklies out there when you got your buck kicked doing that? Like shorter-term options, like you know, like the eighty right now, like the weekly eighty. They're you probably get selling your that for five Joel, in the macro environment. Were the shorter-term gotta... options when you did that, or were you doing? No, I don't think so. But okay, you can still get so... your buck kicked in short short-term options. Get your buck kicked all over the place. But I mean. All I'm saying is, in the event where you have big extreme moves, option writing does not work well. It works well in oscillating markets. I know this crap, guys. It works well in markets that are slowly trending or this. But when you get like a financial crisis in 2007, ask the call, the, the people who are writing all their calls, how they did in 2008. They blew out. That's how they did in 2008 because the markets dropped 60% in, very, in a very short period of time. So, I mean, you know, you held all these stocks, right, and all these calls and brought in all this 10% premium, and your stocks went down 60 on you. So that's where, you know, it hurts. And then what happened to me was I wrote calls after the fact and got called away in my entire portfolio in 2009, and then we had a 10-year bull run. You know, I can remember I had a whole pile of cues, and I kept some, and I had calls written on, and I got called away on my cues at $68. And here today, I still own some of these cues, and it's 307 And I was like, why did I ever write calls for that extra two bucks I got? And, you know, all of a sudden, it's 307 So don't just think it's free money to write options. That's what the option gurus want you to believe. 
that is just free money. Why would you not write the put if you're willing to buy the stock down there? Why are you not re- willing to write the put? Well, the reason the is, put is you take on all the risk yeah, and you don't put. get all the reward. That's Writing the reason. Is a whole different story. Hey, did you, just real quick before I go, did you see our LTHM on Friday? Our live end? Where's that thing? I still own it. That's bucks. why you don't need to look. See what it did on I Friday? do better. I don't look at my long term stuff. You're right. Holy, what's the deal with that? I didn't even know that did that. Uh, yeah. the, the entire sector moved. I mean, lithium is not going away. I would be a buyer of lithium stocks on pullbacks because lithium is needed for all this EV. And if you can find them at reasonable valuations, the problem is the valuations are not reasonable. Now. But if you can, lithium is not going away. I like the lithium stocks. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna bug out here, and uh, we're just holding that pre market low. We went down there and tested it, tested it, tested it like three or four times. So keep an eye on that forty one twenty one fifty. Not much over that. All the tickers we missed. I'm gonna go cover on uh, pre market prep plus, and uh, be back right. with you guys later on. Uh, have a good one, John. Have a good one, Dennis. Okay. I'm gonna head out as well. Send you on over to live trading with Benzinga. Actually, a bit of a weird day today because Mitch is out because he's moving across the country. Zunaid might be out as well. So I've got Ryan Faluna and me. Yes, I will be on a live. Tra- I haven't been on live training in a while. Uh, so Ryan and I are going to hang out for a few, talk about the market, talk about some trades, whatever you want. It, it, it's a very free flowing casual show. We don't, we don't always have a list of things to discuss. We kind of let the market dictate what we talk about. So that's coming up right now. I'm going to end this stream, redirect over to live trading, which will start in a couple of minutes. So I will see you guys over there. Thank you for all the love in the chat. I, I very much do appreciate that. Drop me a like if you haven't already. Just hit the thumbs up button. That also makes me happy. Thanks to our guest, Nate Tobik. Thanks to all of you watching on YouTube, on Twitter, uh, on Twitch, and even those of you watching on LinkedIn. The last thing, please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes and not for investing or trading advice. Check out Benzinga Pro, guys. There's a discount code in the a discount link in the description of this video. Check that out, pro.benzinga.com. Free two-week trial for everyone. All right. I'll see you guys over on our next show. Uh, that's it. We'll be